The focus of this study, as you can tell from the name of it, Disciple, um, has everything to do with what it means to follow Jesus Christ every day. Um, it is something that is talked about, it's you hear about it, but uh, there's not that much ongoing training to it. Um, and basically, the elders and the ministers um, here at, at Laurel, we want to ensure um, that the teaching and preaching and the training and everything that happens here is focused on the person, Jesus Christ, and that you and I end up learning from him and walking with him closely. It's not some other set of things, you know, magic things you have to learn because every, you know, every church has these different things. It's not that. It's <laughs> you are going to get to know who Jesus Christ is, and you are going to learn from him specific things every day of your life, and you need to. <laughs> you need to. Um, and so far, so far in your life, you've probably had some days where you were not actively learning from Jesus. You were too busy. Your, your schedule wouldn't permit it. You, you were working 18, 19 hours. You, you keep, when are you going to do it? Um, the, the, this whole thing of being a follower of Jesus Christ, it, you have to revisit it. You have to think about it. You have to pray through it. You, know? you have to keep praying through it because it's, it's not automatic pilot. Um, and um, especially if you've been a, a Christian for a long time, you know that. You know that there are ups and downs and you, there are moments when you lose focus and you, you've, you have got to stay focused on Jesus. Your eyes have to be on him because of who he is, of who he is. Um, anybody want to tell me who Jesus is according to, to him in John 10? John 10 is about Jesus talking about himself as the, and the good shepherd, and the good shepherd, and he brings abundant life. So if you look at John 10, what you find out is, you find out that, that not only does John say in John 1 that Jesus was the Word, he was, he was the Logos, he was the Word of God, now incarnate, he, he walked around the earth, he was the Word of God, he was there with the Father in making everything, everything was made through him, for him, by him. And that's said by John in John 1, it's said by Paul in Colossians 1, very, very clear. And Paul talks about it to the Ephesians in, in a slightly different way, in terms of the plan. Um, and, how, and how through Jesus Christ, everything holds together currently. So, <laughs> who Jesus is, is crucial. And if he is who John and Paul say he is, and Peter, if, if he's that, if he's the God who made all things, then you and I really need to pay attention to him and be learning from him and allowing him to shepherd us every day. 
because the John 10 passage, um, all the passages that talk about uh, any kind of shepherding or seeking the lost, or Matthew 18 talking about lost sheep and all this, all of that has to do with who God is. God made you so he knows how to guide you through the life he made you for. He, he, he knows. He knows who you are. Jesus says in John 10 that, that people, you know, the sheep recognize his voice and that he knows his sheep. He knows you. Jesus Christ knows you because he made you. He thought you up. You wouldn't exist without Jesus Christ. You wouldn't exist. So he's the one who is capable of shepherding you, of guiding you, of leading you through every single day you're on earth. He knows the way. He is the way, like Johnny was saying. He, he has made the way for us um, to, to become sons of God, children of God, and to be able to live in the presence of God every day. Every day, that's what John 4 is about. True spiritual worship <laughs> isn't on a mountain. It's not in a temple anymore. It's, it is in spirit and truth. You, you, you now, through Jesus Christ, have the opportunity to be in the presence of God at all times. And you can talk to God the way the priests used to have to. You can talk to him directly through Jesus Christ now. Um, so... Uh, 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 everything is, is, is hinging on Jesus the Christ. Um, and he's the one that we're following. He's the one who's going to get you through this life. He's the most qualified. He has all authority. In the end, he has all control. In the end, he's the judge. He's the judge. So the one who came because of the love of God, to rescue you, to find you, to seek you out. He is the same one who will claim you. He will claim you because you have his spirit inside of you. You belong to him. And he says that you cannot be snatched from his hand. You, you can renounce him. You can jump out. You can run away and never come back. But he, you are in his hand, and he is going to hold on to you. And he's going to keep you safe. You stay close to him, and you keep following him, keep your eyes on him. He will take care of you. And he's the only one who really can do that and can promise that and deliver on it. He's the only one. The world's a crazy place, but he has total control. That's why he was telling his first followers, hey, don't worry about somebody being able to kill the body. Yeah, they can kill your body, but they can't destroy your soul. If you belong to Jesus Christ, you are free for eternity. Your soul is in the presence of God for eternity. Uh, he, he, has, he has guaranteed it. And the Holy Spirit of God is also a deposit, uh, really showing that, um, demonstrating that. Uh, he's also the one who's going to be changing us to become more like Jesus, uh, the Holy Spirit of God. So, um, a whole character formation thing. Now, in Mark 10, 17, on, on page 8, um, 17 through 31, um, anybody want 
tell me a little bit about this situation, about the story of the rich young ruler. What's the deal with this? The rich young ruler. You might want to explain something about that. There are a couple of questions there. What was Jesus trying to teach the rich young ruler and why? Why is this passage in the Bible? Mark 10, 17 through 31. Yeah, now some people still today think that that situation, uh, interacting with Jesus, was too much. They, they, can't, they can't fathom that Jesus would ask this guy who's rich to let go of everything. I think the hardest part is people can't get their mind around the fact that it belongs to Jesus anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but even the, his first disciples had a hard time with this. And there are a couple other situations where those first disciples were like, well, who in the world can, can do this? Who, who, can, who can actually follow you if, you, you know, if everything is required? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Jesus is saying, you've got, you got to be more perfect than you know, these Pharisees, uh, these priests, these Sadducees. And they're like, huh? These guys do it full time. What are you saying? And he, he, was, he was upping the bar. You know how today everybody's trying to lower the bar? <laughs> yeah, here, here, we don't want anybody to trip, so we're going to lower the bar. Oh, and then nobody achieves anything. That's a problem. Jesus is raising the bar. He's saying, these people who are supposed to be leading you, they don't, they don't know what's important. They don't understand what's spiritually important. And he is referring to the passage in chapter 34 of Ezekiel. He's referring to what God says through Ezekiel that these spiritual leaders of Israel weren't paying any attention to the sheep. They didn't really care about the sheep, his people. They weren't doing things in a loving, caring way to help these people of God to grow spiritually. And to become more faithful. They were kind of just getting whatever they could get. They were just doing their own thing. And trying to look good doing it. Um, That was one of Jesus' biggest problems when he came to earth. He was having to still deal with that. The Jewish leaders were still kind of all caught up in themselves. And they weren't doing the shepherding spiritually that they were supposed to. So through Ezekiel, God says, I'm going to come. I'm going to shepherd you. I'm going to lead you. God says, I'm going to come and I'm going to rescue you because these leaders aren't doing their job. So Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up on the earth and he starts talking about, I am the good shepherd. And he's telling people to follow me. Follow him. It's about following Jesus because he is going to shepherd you through life. That's Psalm 23. Psalm 23. It's not just for funerals. Okay, you guys going to clap for me? <laughs> okay. I think they were clapping for Paul. Okay, well, that makes sense. All right. <laughs>
Uh, okay, so um, turn over to page uh, nine. And um, yes, plus, go ahead. Right, so Jesus already had been teaching about, uh, you know, where your treasure is, mm -hmm. there your heart will be. Right. Okay, he's already taught that. He is teaching some other things that have to do with, you know what? The, the only people who are going to see God? Yeah. Right. Right, so the Matthew 5, 8 thing, he's... He is saying that, that you want to see God, you actually have to have an unmixed heart, an, a singleness of mind. You actually have to, to get very focused on God to see Him. You have, you have got to have uh, a huge love and desire for the one who put you here. That's what you were designed for. That's what John 4 is. To worship in spirit and truth is to love God with all of your heart and mind and strength and soul. That's Deuteronomy from the Old Testament. Jesus quotes the, the Old Testament multiple times, and he's saying this is what you are made for. You, this is what God wants for you. He wants you to love him not be just in love with yourself, not love a bunch of things, to love Him, to put Him first. What does Matthew 6.33 say? You put the kingdom of God, His reign, the reign of God, the righteousness of God first, and everything else winds up. You put God first, He will take care of you. That's what Matthew 6.33 says. A lot of Christians don't even, they haven't even tested this. They need to test this. You put God first in all things, and he will give you what you need. That's what Jesus teaches. So a lot of people have this backwards. You know, they, they get stuff, and then they want to hang on to it, and they end up loving this stuff and loving their titles and whatever else they can amass more than the one who thought them up and put them here. It really makes no sense, and it's why they end up being so unhappy, so, so really discontent, because they're going against the design of God. They're going to, totally contrary to the way that they're designed. The, the psyche, the psuche, the soul of man, is designed to be totally obsessed with God. That's what it's designed for. 
You know the word for worship in the New Testament is to kiss toward. It's, to, it's like you're bowing down and you're kissing somebody's feet. That is the best word. There's like four words that are used. That's the best word, and it's used in John 4, talking about spirit and truth. You want to worship God in spirit and truth? Guess what? You want your worship to be real and not hypocritical, not just external? Then you end up loving God when you wake up in the morning with all of your heart, with all of your mind. You are using your mind to love God, to seek God, to, to want to do the will of God because he's the one who put you here. He put you here, and he put you here for his purpose, not for you just to wander around and bump around and do whatever you want to. He put you here as you are, the person that you are, totally unique, and you are totally unique according to your DNA, which is God's design. Your DNA is 100% unique. Nobody else in the history of the world has been like you. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. You are unique. God has a purpose for your individual life. That's why Jesus Christ talks about, in Matthew 18, about going out and finding the one sheep. 99 are safe, not good enough. Most business people today, eh, 99 is pretty good. Don't worry about that one out there. Jesus says, no, 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 no. No, I made that one sheep. The one sheep is stuck in a bramble. He's stuck. He can't get out. I'm going to find him myself. And Jesus comes, and he finds you, and he says, follow me. He gets you unstuck, and you stay with him, and he keeps you safe, and he nurtures you. You get everything you need. You're not hungry anymore. You're not thirsty anymore. You get everything you need from the one who put you here. That's the way it works. That's the way it works. So it makes sense that we're talking about submitting like Jesus. Jesus wasn't forced to submit. <laughs> you know, in some religions, you're forced to submit. You know that, right? You're forced. In some political systems, you're forced to submit. You must do what they say or you are dead. Yeah. Yeah. Happens all the time, all over the world. The God who made you didn't make you for that. He made you with free will. You get to choose. You get to choose whether you pay attention to him or you ignore him. If you ignore him, you end up hurting yourself. <laughs> and you hurt other people. But he will allow it. But Jesus Christ comes and shows us how to voluntarily submit to the Father all day long, every day. How do you think he fulfilled the law? He fulfilled the law because he was seeking to do the will of the Father in all things. That's one of the first points. Um, if, you, if you go down... We already talked about the first point, the word became flesh. The, the second point, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Um, this, this is, uh, it actually, the word is, is meat. 
my meat, my sustenance is to do the will of God. How was Jesus Christ sustained? He was sustained throughout the day by his desire to do the will of the Father. And when people would ask him questions, he would refer to the Father. He, and, and what he was doing was supposed to bring glory to the Father. He wasn't grandstanding. He wasn't trying to take all the credit. He kept on talking about the Father because he was submitted to the Father. He was showing us how to be a good son. A good son submits to the Father, learns, obeys, tries to be like the Father. If, if In this case, the Father is good. <laughs> He's the only one who's good. So you're, you are trying to, to become like Jesus so that you are, you are learning how to be a, a good son to the Father, to the one who made you. Um, and he is, he is trying to guide you through your life. So the more we pay attention to what God wants, and we pay less attention to what we want, we actually mature. We get stronger. Stronger in our minds, in our hearts. We get more focused. You know that single-mindedness thing? That comes when you're not just fighting. Oh, Jeopardy. Jeopardy. <laughs> you're not just fighting <laughs> yourself all the time. You know how many Christians keep on telling me, oh, I'm fighting myself, you know, I'm fighting with myself about this, I'm fighting with myself. Man, you, you, you can't be doing that all the time. <laughs> you, you have to stop yourself and say, no, God, I want what you want. Help me to want what you want. Help me to do your will. Because that's what Jesus was trying to teach us. That's what Jesus showed us. How does a human being do the will of God? And he was submitting to the authority of the Father. He was submitting to the Holy Spirit of God. Remember the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus when he was baptized in Matthew 3? And God claimed him as his son? Matthew 3, before he went into the desert to be tempted... There's a point to that. <laughs> when the Holy Spirit landed on him, God claimed him as his son. Um, and then he was praying every day. He was submitting to the Father. How? By praying. By praying. You can't just say, well, I, I'm going to submit to God today, but I'm not going to talk to him all day. You can't. It doesn't work. Jesus Christ proves to you what works. What works is you wake up in the morning and you are looking to see what the Father wants to do with you that day. And you are praying your way into the day, just like Jesus, which is, is Mark 1, 35, 36. Jesus went out to a place that was quiet in the morning before the sun came up and he talked with the Father in solitude before anything else started, before he did anything else. He didn't even brush his teeth, as far as we know. <laughs> he, went out, he went out and he talked with the Father, first thing, because he is showing us how to put the Father, the reign of God, and his righteousness first. 
So we wake up in the morning and we are praying like Jesus did. Um, anybody want to tell the thing about Jesus, what he learned as a young Jewish boy? Anyone? Anyone? You know what? You know what Jewish boys were taught in Jesus' time? Ever hear about the God who does not sleep? It's mentioned in Psalms. Uh, it's probably mentioned more than that, but in the Bible, the Jewish children were taught, especially during Jesus' day, that God, since he never sleeps, when they're sleeping, God is planning the next day for them. He's planning the next day. He's a God of order. He's not, not a God of disorder. He's planning. So when you're sleeping, God is planning. And when you wake up, you get with God because he has planned your day. That's what Jesus was taught. It is, it's in Psalms. Uh, they, they, they took it the next step. Make, you know, say, Well, he's doing something. He is. He's active. God's active. Yeah, he's planning things. He's planning things all the time. His plan is perfect, and he will execute it perfectly. But you and I have to pay some attention to him. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. The, the reality of it is, is that um, you know, obviously the presence of God or the dwelling of the Spirit cannot, I should say, cannot reside in an undivided heart or... Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, this is, but this is the thing you, you, that Christians have to remember, and, and we forget. This is, this is the problem. The problem is forgetting. Human beings, everybody who has been baptized into Christ, the old person is dead. When you're immersed in water, and you're buried with Christ in baptism, the old person is dead. Dead. In the eyes of God, Dead. That, that old person that did all that stuff and thought that way, and you know, they're dead. And they have been cleansed. Their heart, God does it. When you submit to him in baptism, God does it. You have repented. You are laying your life down with, Je with Jesus. You're being buried with him, but he is cleansing your heart and your mind, and he is making you a new creation. That's what the Apostle Paul teaches very clearly. When you come up out of the water, you now have the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit inside of you, because you've been cleansed. He can now reside in you. And now that you're a new creation, and it's not you living, but Christ living in you. In Colossians, Paul says, He is our life. Christ is now our life. Now, it, you know, it takes training, it takes uh, memory, it takes practice, it takes discipline, you know, to, to not forget this. It does, right? I mean, you can forget it every five minutes if you're not careful. You, but, but, but the reality is, in God's view, that old you is dead, and now he sees Christ. He sees the righteousness of Christ. You are clothed with Christ, Paul says. It's like... 
You're now wearing Christ. You have the Spirit of Christ in you. That's John 14. Father and I will come and reside in you. The Holy Spirit brings peace. Jesus says, I'm, I'm giving you peace. The Holy Spirit is going to be sent. He's, he's not only going to comfort you, but you're going to have peace because of the Holy Spirit of God. So it's not, he's, he's not inviting us to fight with ourselves some more. He's inviting us to let the peace of Christ reign in us as Christ reigns over us, our thinking, our personality, our character. You talk about fighting, um, fighting ourselves. Sometimes we, um, we don't want to submit to God's will. Yeah, and, uh, right. And right. it becomes, especially early on in our walk, it becomes easier to submit to God's will once we understand that God has our, God has our best interests at heart. Absolutely. You know, and he knows what's best for us. Yes. So it becomes easier to um, to submit, um, to seek his will, to want to fellowship with him. Uh, once we start learning how to trust in him. Right. And he's going to show us through our living, through his work in our lives, that, hey, you can trust in me. No mm -hmm. matter what the noise is in the market, no matter right. what the world may say, right. he's going he's gonna to show up and he's going to start proving himself again and again and again. Mm -hmm. And once you experience that, it's going to be easier for you. You know, you're going to say, well, God, this doesn't make sense to me, but you said to do it in your words, so I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to let you, I'm going to stand back, I'm going to put self aside, I'm going to let you work, and I'm going to watch you work. Right. And it becomes easier to do that once you start trusting in him over time. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and part of this, too, we talked about our needing to love God wholeheartedly, but it's, it's just a response. Our learning to love God wholeheartedly is because He loved us first. He loved us completely. Can you imagine a God, a creator of all things, who has a plan already in place to rescue you when you mess up, before he makes you, before you existed, before you ever were on the earth, he had a plan. Before he ever made the earth, he had a plan to save you. Now that is love. <laughs> That's love. He, he knew we were going to have freedom of choice because he was going to design it in. He knew that we would mess up and we needed a way out, and he planned the perfect way back to him in Jesus Christ. He planned it before he created everything. That's, that's what Paul says to the Ephesians, and in a different way to the Colossians. This, when you read these letters from Paul, you start realizing, you know, not only what John says about the love of God, you start realizing God has shown this in so many ways. The grace of God has, has been, I've experienced it, and I didn't even know it. There were things that happened to me that were good, or he saved me, protected me from some things I didn't even know about. His love is massive for me. And this is the whole point of Romans 5.5. 5. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Right, yeah. I just want to look at the stark contrast here. Verse 21. Yes. And verse 22. Jesus looked at him and loved him. 
always say. Jesus looked at him and loved him. I yeah. Mean, that's, that's, that's pretty profound. I mean, I'm, yeah. I, we all, I'm sure we would all aspire to that. Have yeah. Jesus look at us and love us. Yeah. But then to go away sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he, he decided for things and money rather than for the love of God that put him here in the first place. So see, our, our logic actually gets messed up by our sin, by our greediness, by some other things. Our thinking gets messed up. It gets messed up because really, if you think about it for a few minutes, you start realizing that the one who thought me up and made me in a very complex and amazing way, he has tried to unfold a whole set of things for me. And in this guy's case, he had blessed him with earthly blessings, and he was at a point where he was willing to trade the one who made him for the stuff that was made. That's why Jesus Christ comes to earth teaching, you cannot serve both God and money or the world. Mammon. You can't serve both simultaneously. And human beings think they can. And you know, a, a big distinction there is, is some people confuse that for God saying that we can't have money. It's not what God is saying. Hmm? God's saying, I'm giving you this money mm-hmm. so that you can use it to mm-hmm. serve me. Right. Every resource we have, right. we should be leveraging that resource right. to build up God's kingdom. Yeah, to, and, and to bring glory to God. But if, 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 if God's blessing us with all that fortune and we're not, mm-hmm. then we're not focused on God. Right. And, and that was the rich young ruler's problem. Right. The rich young ruler couldn't see the fact that his resources were from God, and therefore should be used toward God. Yeah, yeah. so God's not going to roll over him right. and, and make him, you, you share, right. you, you share. Exactly. No, he didn't make him. He let him have the choice. Yeah, exactly. But that's a tough one. That is a tough one. Yeah. Because the, the guy otherwise was, was doing a lot of good things, apparently. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So we should be able to, when he says, let it go, it wasn't yours in the first place. Right. He let it go. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And he, he can replace it mm-hmm. if he wants to. Yeah. Right. There have been uh, so many times, you know, Cheryl and I have had an interesting life. For about 18 years, uh, I went without a paycheck. I did not get a paycheck. What, whatever was sent in the mail randomly from different people, that's what we lived on mm-hmm. for 18 years. Now that is not easy. Let me explain why. <laughs> it's, not, it's not like you're just sitting around not doing anything. We, I left the corporate world and I decided to depend on Jesus' words in Matthew 6.33 completely. And I just started putting the kingdom first in every way. And I spent my days not making money, which I've was getting good at, but but actually 
and helping people to follow Jesus and to come into the kingdom of God. And God showed us and showed our kids that Matthew 6.33 is 100% correct. He will give you what you need. So there were times when, you know, there's, well, still sometimes, but there, time, there were times when we would give, or I would give, our last money to somebody. We have nothing left. And I'm a little bit momentarily thinking, okay, this is going to get interesting because we have no other resource anywhere. And we would pray. And we would pray. And we would pray with our kids. Our kids knew there wasn't a big bank account sitting somewhere. God was the resource. And God would show us over and over and over that he could creatively give us what we need. Not exactly what we thought. Not where you have total control of everything. But he gave us what we needed. Uh, one time we were, we were uh, without any money for a while. Uh, we were in France starting the church in Strasbourg. And we got a little tiny dirty envelope in the mail from a prison in St. Louis. And inside the envelope, we were actually behind thousands of dollars, actually, I, I think at the time. Uh, we received this little dirty $5 bill that looked like it had been through a war. <laughs> Filthy! Pitiful little $5 bill sent to us by a prisoner in St. Louis that we did not know. I start laughing. But this is hilarious. God is hilarious. We need thousands of dollars. And he chooses to show us that he can get a prisoner that we don't know in a prison somewhere to send $5 to us. It was like a little sign. <laughs> it's like, don't worry. It's okay. <laughs> it's crazy. That's crazy. And, and then he ended up uh, just what we giving exactly what we needed at a, a little bit later, you know, a little bit of stress, a little bit of pressure, but he gave us exactly what we needed, and we were fine. We were fine. But we were refined, yeah. We, well, we were so humbled by that. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, we had such peace through all those years. And yeah. I think, especially as a woman, you know, I think we <sighs> tend to worry. Yeah. But there was such peace and comfort, and and yeah, and focus. So all of these things go together. The the submitting to God, even when you don't have the answers and you don't know what's going to happen. Submitting to him deliberately because of who he is. And then praying, talking to God constantly about the things that are going on because he cares about you. What does Peter say? Cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. The God who made you, of course, cares about you. He wants you to talk to him about what's going on and what you need, spiritually and otherwise. And he listens. He listens and he responds. And you and I grow 
in faith. Now, if we never do that, we never really grow in faith. We're just churchgoers. We go and we sit somewhere, and we look happy, and we walk in and out, and we go eat. That happens. That's, that's not what Jesus Christ died for. He died so that you and I would understand the immense love of God for you. Out of everybody on the face of the earth, for you. Jesus Christ lived and died and was resurrected and glorified and put in all authority next to, to the Father in heaven for you, to show you, to write your life. He reconciles all things to the Father through himself. That's what Colossians says. And you and I need to submit to him in prayer throughout the day. First thing in the morning, Jesus got off in the afternoon. Jesus prayed at night before he went to sleep. He prayed for so long that his followers could not stay awake. He had some serious talking to do with the Father. And you and I do too. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for making this way for us for making Jesus the way, for helping us to see the truth in him, through him, through your spirit. Father, help us to submit to you more fully each day, each hour, each minute, our minds, our hearts, to love you more each day, and to love you in such a way that not only you know for sure our faithfulness and our loyalty to you, but the people around us come to know your love and your faithfulness. Pray, Father, that what we do will bring glory to you. Help us to do your will throughout each day and to be looking for you and your awesome goodness and mercy at work around us every day. And I pray all this in the name of Jesus the Christ who saves us. Amen. Thanks, everybody.